Hi, this is Eli Nelson, and this is the My City Church Podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. It is our prayer that this message will awaken you to come alive in the things of Christ. Enjoy the message. This is who we are. This is, this is who God has identified to our church. There's a lot of great churches in Omaha. I thank God for all the great churches. We are a part of that movement that is sweeping across this city to to redeem souls for the name of Jesus Christ. And this is our expression of who God has called us to be. And if we fail to be who God has called us to be, we will not reach the people God has called us to reach. So it's important that we find our identity in Christ first. All these values that I'm talking about, let let me share it right here are supplemental to Christ, our foundation. This is the brand of My City Church, yes, but this is not what we are saving people to. We're saving people to Jesus Christ. We're saving people to a Savior, a Lord that wants to meet with them. The lost and broken and the hurting of this world need to be reunited with the loving Father. That is what we're called to do. That's our first imperative. Now this is how we do it. Other churches do it a different way. This is how we're going to do it. This is who we are as we reach the people God has called us to reach. Luke chapter 16, verse 9. I am reading out of the Amplified version today. Oh, man, we're going to be getting deep today. Out of the Amplified version today. This is the words of Jesus. He says, and I tell you, parentheses is kind of like what they're amplifying, the text of what Jesus, that's why it's called the Amplified version. Learn from this. Make friends for yourselves for eternity by means of the wealth of unrighteousness. That is, use material resources as a way to further the work of God. Has anyone ever looked at our resources, our finances that way? So that when it runs out, they will welcome you into the eternal dwelling. He who is faithful in a very little thing is also faithful in much. And he who is dishonest in a very little thing is also dishonest in much. It's called character. It's You can't, like, separate different parts of your lives. Whoever you are in one place will eventually come out in another place. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the use of earthly wealth, who will entrust you with the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in the use of that earthly wealth, which belongs to another, whether God or man, and of which you are a trustee. Say trustee. Another word would be a steward. Who will give you that which is your own? This right here, I'm really going to hit on. No servant can serve two masters. This wasn't a question. This was an imperative. He says, no one. No one can dilly-dabble in both. (laughs) No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will stand devotedly by the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and mammon. What is mammon? We'll be talking about that a little bit today. That is your earthly possessions or anything else you trust in and rely on instead of God. I'm excited to be able to share with you today. Turn to your neighbor and announce to them the title of this message. Say, we live with open hands. We live with open hands. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word today. God, we pray that you'd help me to get out of the way just to communicate the truth and the conviction of Scripture. God, we thank you that the Holy Spirit is in this place speaking right now. And so we pray right now that you'd open our ears to hear you, open our eyes to see you, God. Any, any kind of um, 
misunderstandings that you have of Scripture, God. I pray that we would know the truth of Scripture today. Lord, we thank you. And right now, church, if you're hungry for the Word of God, would you open up your hands and say these words after me? Say, Lord, speak to me. I'm listening. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, we can put the hands together for the Word of God today. Amen. Travis, I forgot my Bible. Can you grab it in there? It's in there on the table. I just need to have my Bible. It just feels so empty up here without my Bible. Let me ask you today, how do you live? That's a very broad question. It's a very open-ended question. I live good. (laughs) More like, what do you trust in? What do you trust in? Thanks, Travis. Thank you. Thank you so much. What do you trust in? Jesus said you cannot serve both God and mammon. Notice that God and mammon are in contrast to each other. It's not like you have a little bit of one and a little bit of the other. No, they're actually in contrast. No servant, Jesus says, can serve two masters. And what is that idea, that, that idea of mammon? Well, the Amplify says that it's your earthly possessions or anything else you trust in or rely on instead of God. I like that, but I'm going to dive into just a little bit deeper. Mammon is, is an Aramaic word. It's an Aramaic word that Jesus would have been very familiar with And it's basically meaning riches. You cannot trust in riches. You cannot trust in both God and riches. Mammon is from the Syrian god of riches. The Syrian god is originated from the land of the Chaldeans, also known as Babylon. Babylon, if you know uh, the earlier scriptures, Babylon is actually the, the city founded for the Tower of Babel. It's where God confused their languages. It was an awful din. Oh, my kids, oh, my kids even here. <laughs> There's a rhyme in there on when I read it to the kids. It was an awful day. Uh, it's the Tower of Babel. Babel means this, confusion. Confusion. If you're taking notes, write down Babel equals confusion. Now, Babylon is just more of a suffix on the end. It's a, a word known as sown. Sown in confusion. Babylon was planted. It was sown in confusion. So mammon takes root in this city, this area of an area that is known as being sown in confusion. Everything that God has, there is a counterfeit of. So it will look good on the outside, but in the end, it leads to confusion. The Tower of Babel, they tried to, in the area of Babylon, they tried to create a tower that reaches to the heavens in an effort to make a name for themselves. That they don't need God is what they're saying. And what mammon will try to do, the love of money, that desire of riches, that desire of wealth, it desires to get you to trust in that rather than God. That's what mammon does. Mammon wants you to look to it instead of God. Jesus says you can't serve both. You're loyal to one and despise the other. Jesus says that these things are in contrast to one another. Both God and mammon, you cannot serve both. At the same time. Now, many of us grew up with this idea of, of looking to mammon to, to provide for us. And that, that's kind of the context that we've grown up in. That money actually gets us what we need. Money actually gives us what we want. And the danger with talking about money, yeah, I'm talking about money here at church. And really, we're going to put aside that notion because Jesus talked about money almost a third of the time. You live almost a third of your life in an effort to accumulate money. So it'd be foolish of me as the lead pastor of this church to never talk about money. Because it consumes a third of your life. What did you do on Friday? Well, I worked. What did you do on Thursday? Well, I worked. What did you do yesterday? Some of you, well, I worked. So it would behoove me to try to lead this church without 
talking about finances. And what I want to do is be able to teach you a kingdom principle today. How many enjoy kingdom principles? I want to know how the kingdom works. I want to know how God works today. And that's what I'm excited to be able to share with you. And, and this idea of mammon, mammon wants you to become loyal to it to get you what you want. That's Some people talk about it like the prosperity gospel. The prosperity gospel is the idea that I give to God so that God can give to me. So what's the foundation of my generosity is self. So I'm serving myself. It's I don't really need God. I am actually using God to get what I want. Right? So that's the danger of the prosperity gospel. Now I believe that God ha wants us to prosper. It says I believe that you above all and also in your health that you would prosper. Yes. But my motivation for my prospering isn't just for myself. It's so that I can be a good steward and I can also bless others. So that I can be a blessing. So that I can overflow with blessing. So this is what mammon wants. Mammon wants to rule your life. Write that down. Mammon wants to rule. Mammon wants to rule, and it promises everything to you without God. Mammon promises happiness. Man, if I just had a little bit more. It promises more identity, security, peace, joy, love. Some of you have said, some of us have said, if, if, if I just had more money, man, people would listen to me. And if I, just, if I just wore the right clothes, or if I just drove the right car, if I just, rather than pulling up in my Honda Civic, if I just pulled up in my Corvette C8 or my Lamborghini, then people would actually believe that I know what I'm talking about. It promises identity. It promises security. Man, if I had more, then I would just have a better marriage. If I had more money, then I could get this, a trap that a lot of Christians fall into, help more people. Why is that a trap? Because money doesn't help people. God helps people. Okay, when Jesus went to the leopard, how did he, did he, did he, did he just pull out some money and go, oh, I, I had some money. Did he just go like, here, here, little leopard. Here you go. Go buy yourself some nice cream for your skin. No, no, no. Did he go to blind Bartimaeus who was saying, Jesus, have mercy on me. He said, I know you're blind, Bartimaeus, but here's a, here's, here's a hundred. It's really only a 20. <laughs> Anyone know? Money doesn't help people. God helps people. Because this is a trap that we fall into. Is if we look at it as between the two, it's either I need more money or I need God to show up. And if you get more money, if our response is to say, okay, God, it came through. I don't need you now. You probably trust in mammon more than you trust in God. And man, if I just got another raise, if I just got another paycheck, or if I just got that job, or if I just got that opportunity, then I wouldn't actually need God. I trust in mammon more than I trust in God. The, the spirit of mammon is constantly trying to influence you. And the spirit can talk. Do you want to know what the spirit sounds like? Next time that offering bucket goes around, go to put some money into it. Oh, but you could use that for, that's what that spirit sounds like. Oh, but you could write, the, I, I feel like I'm going to give this to the Lord. Oh, but what you could get. Oh, but you could do. That's exactly what the spirit sounds like. Isn't that helpful to be able to know this person's in need? Yeah, but I'm in need too. That's what the spirit sounds like. It can talk. It can talk. Now, this is what we need to know is that money does not fix all of your problems. 
I remember my wife and I, right before we got married, about a month, maybe three weeks before we got married, we went to Piedmont, South Dakota to do a fireworks tent. And uh, this fireworks tent was guaranteed to make us at least 10 grand. Not bad for 10 days of work. Oh, it's grueling work, though. Trust me, right? Like, it, it, was, it was, hey, this is going to make you at least 10 grand. It turns around like 15, 20 grand every single year. So even on the bad years, it'll turn around 10 grand in profit for you to take home. Well, I'm driving up there in my 2003 Chevrolet Silverado 2500 HD 8-foot bed uh, extended cab, but it only had two doors, and it had, like, the half doors. And we're driving up, and we got, like, five people in our car. And it's a nine, eight, nine-hour drive. It's about 700 miles away. And uh, we're driving up there, but like any kid fresh out of high school, I don't know how to take care of my truck. And my dad taught me how to change oil, but even though he taught me how to change oil, I abused that thing. Dad, just so you know, every time I turned into high school on that gravel road, I would drift on that gravel road. But I didn't realize what the drifting would do to my tires. The drifting tore up my tires. I didn't even think twice before a 700-mile road trip to check if my tire thread tread was good enough for a 700-mile drive. Didn't even bother to check it. So middle of the night, maybe 2 a.m. in the morning, Kelly's driving, and I'm sleeping like every man should be on a road trip right now. <laughs> and I wake up to those loud bang, and then and like every man, you immediately look to who to blame, and you go, what did you do? <laughs> I look at her and go, what did you do? Goes, I was just driving. And it was a moment I realized, I realized, oh, we got a flat tire. I'm thinking she hit something. So it took me about two hours to get this tire replaced. Not because I didn't know how, but because there was a malfunction with the spare tire, okay? I knew what I was doing. My dad taught me how to replace a tire. But one thing I forgot was that you're supposed to keep the rim to the tire. And I was so frustrated, I threw the tire into the into the the side of the interstate, and then I got on my way, and I kept driving. Well, anyways, I called my dad the next morning. Dad, I blew out a tire on my truck, and I don't know what caused him to do this. Maybe this is just a father's heart. He drove up to Piedmont, South Dakota, 700 miles, just to see how we were doing. Like, that's a father right there. He called me on the way. He said, so what'd you do with the rim? I said, oh, I threw it into the side of the road. He's like, well, you need a new tire, don't you? I'm like, yeah, don't they give you, like, a new rim with the tire? He goes, no, they give you a new tire. He's like, do you remember where you threw it off at? I'm going, mile marker 430? I don't know. <laughs> like, and by the grace of God, my dad found the rim of my tire, even though I threw it, like, 30 yards into the prairie grass on the side of the interstate. I don't know how he found it. But he pulled up to me, to the place. He said, I got your rim. He says, let's look at your tires. And he showed me, hey, when you see these threads on these tires, that means you need new tires. Like, I could see the, the wires on the tires. It was so bad. Like, it was, I had hardly any grip, any traction. And my dad's like, you need some new tires. And go, All right, well, we go to Sam's Club, and it's like $1,200 to get new tires. And I'm just about to get married. I'm like, man, I don't know. Dad, Dad I'll pay for this. I know I'm supposed to have some money aside, but I'll pay for this. It's my problem to fix. And, and my dad said, no, 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 I'll take care of it. No problem. And it took me about eight years to realize what he meant by that, no problem. And it was when I started reading a fantastic book by Pastor Robert Morris called The Blessed Life. It's a fantastic read. I encourage you to pick it up, open up Amazon right now or Audible right now and purchase it or go to the bookstore. You'll be able to find that divine truth or something like that. It's called The Blessed Life. 
And what I know about people that are faithful stewards of their finances, they're not always saying how rich they are or how powerful they are, but they will say how blessed they are. I'm just blessed. I'm blessed by the Lord. And my dad said these words. He said, no problem. And in the book, Pastor Robert shares just a little bit of a story about that idea of no problem. Because if money can fix your problem, can I tell you, you don't have a problem. And if money can't fix your problem, God can. This is an idea of on finances, an idea on money. Like, if you have a problem and money can fix it, you don't got a problem. Money can fix it. Money can take care of it. But if money can't, God can. And what did that teach me? That little thing in Piedmont, South Dakota, I realized that money is not the answer to all of my problems. Money's not the answer to all of our problems. And going back to our text here, Jesus is talking about this wealth of unrighteousness. And what he's talking about, there's two kinds of wealth. Wealth of righteousness, wealth of unrighteousness. Now, money is not righteous or unrighteous in itself. Money is just a tool. It's called a currency. It's, it's, you, it's called to get it into the current and, and put it to use. Now, mammon is a spirit that attaches itself to money. So all money has a spirit attached to it, whether it has mammon, the greed, the desire for more, or it has the spirit of God attached to it. How do we differentiate between the two? Well, that's called tithing. So I don't want any money that I got unrighteously or through ill-gotten gain. I want to sow it into the kingdom. And I'm going to first say, God, this, thank you for entrusting with me. And I'm going to put all that money into a category by tithing the first 10%. Proverbs 3.9 says, honor the Lord by giving him your money, the first part of all your crops. Right? So what that does is that differentiates between the spirit of mammon being over me and being over my money versus me trusting God. This is good teaching right here. Hopefully it sets some people free, right? What does the Bible say when we tithe? He rebukes the devourer concerning us. So money is neutral. It's a tool. Now, the love of money is different. 1 Timothy 6.10 says, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money. That's that idea of mammon, that I never have enough. I just want more. I just need more. Have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. And I'm going to go into that just a little bit further, that idea of a love for money. Can I tell you, you never have enough. You will never have enough. So let's continue in this passage. Luke 16, verse 9. Jesus says, and I tell you, learn from this, make friends for yourselves for eternity by means of the wealth of unrighteousness. I put the Amplified because it shares that, for eternity. Because many people think, well, I'm going to use my money to make friends for myself. But the context of what Jesus is talking about is eternal. He says, for eternity by means of the wealth of unrighteousness. That means you're using that, redeeming it for wealth of righteousness to make friends for eternity. That is, use material resources as a way to further the work of God. So that when it runs out, they will welcome you into the eternal dwellings. That's heaven. So you're using your resources, your finite resources here on earth to make an eternal difference that when they get to heaven and you get to heaven, they will actually welcome you because your dollar helped them get there. That's a weird concept to think about, but it's kingdom. This is kingdom. It's use of material resources. It says so that when it runs out, that's not talking about your money. I know it says it. But the context is actually talking about your life. So that when you croak, <laughs> they will welcome you into 
eternal dwellings. This is the words of Jesus. And I want to show you a passage of, of where we see this actually play out in Scripture. Acts chapter 4, verse 36, a man by the name of Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas. This is Barnabas, y'all. Like, I don't know where that southern accent came from right there. This is Barnabas. You betcha. Midwest. This is Barnabas, like Paul and Barnabas. This is the first mention we really have of Barnabas here. Which means son of encouragement sold a field he owned. Who owned it? Barnabas did. So he owned it and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. This was not a tithe. This was an offering. Tithe is the first 10%. We do that to say this is righteous money. Offering is above and beyond. Tithe is returning. Don't miss this. Offering is sowing. Tithe is returning. The first 10% to the Lord. Offering is sowing. And here's the thing about sowing. You can expect a return. Whatever that looks like, you've got to be open to what that looks like. But I'm willing to sow into things. I'm always going to tithe, and there are certain things that I sow into. There are certain organizations that I sow into, and I expect a spiritual return, whether this side or the next side of earth. So tithe is 10%, it's returning. Offering is what Barnabas did. He bought the, brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. That was his offering. So he gives the money to the church, the early church at that time, and then he trusts God on how God use it, uses it. But I bet you if Barnabas, which he did, had the spirit of the Holy Spirit inside of him, he knew to expect a return. Okay, where was Barnabas from? He was from Cyprus, right? So now let's go to Acts chapter 13. This is pretty cool. It says, the two of them, that's Paul and Barnabas, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Lucia and sailed from there to where? Cyprus. He's going back to his hometown. He's going back to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. John was with them as their helper. That's John, also known as John Mark, the writer of the Gospel of Mark. So now they're in Cyprus. Whether this was Barnabas' hometown or not, we don't know. What we do know is that he owned land in Cyprus. He sold that land, gave the money to the church, and now we see him back in the same town ministering to the people. And then we pick up in verse 12 of chapter 13. After they're sharing the good news, when the proconsul, he's like the leader, the governor of that entire island, that area, saw what had happened through the demonstration of the Spirit's power through the Apostle Paul, he believed, for he was amazed at the teaching about the Lord. Barnabas walked in the fulfilling the fruit of the very seed that he sowed. Now what I know about this is in our giving, your giving won't get you to heaven. But it could help someone else get there. It won't get you. You can't get what you want, Simon the Sorcerer. I want to buy these gifts. I want to buy more. If I get more, God will be happy. No, that's not what it's about. Well, I need to tithe so that God's not going to smite me. I need to tithe to get myself out from under a curse. No, you're blessed. But it's like being under a curse because you're trusting in money rather than God. Well, Christians aren't cursed, and I don't just know if tithing is, is really biblically today. It's a biblical principle. Let's go back to Abraham. When did Abraham tithe? Before the law? It says he gave a tenth to Melchizedek. Okay, when did Jacob tithe? He said, if the Lord provides for me and the Lord takes care of me, I'll give him back a tenth of everything that he's given me. 
So that's before. So we're talking kingdom principle. We're talking before Levitical priesthood. We're talking before Ten Commandments. We're talking before the law. It was woven in the hearts of Abraham. We see it in Jacob, and I bet you it was in Isaac. We just don't see it because it's generational. When you tithe, you break strongholds, generations for generations. Spiritual bondage, your kids will not be dependent on money. And I think the reason why I have such a good perspective on money is because my parents have such a good perspective on money. Since I was a kid, I've been tithing. Since I had a paycheck, I've been tithing. My parents taught me that at a young age. I would tithe, but then I would also give offerings to different areas. That was my above and beyond. Because I didn't trust in money. I trusted in the Lord to provide. So we see Barnabas giving money to the church and God using it to turn it into fruit. So many of us want to produce good fruit, but we're not planting any good seed. So we'll go and we'll say, God, I, I trust you, you're returning, but there's also some seed as well. Like, and you got to activate your faith. And I'm excited in, in about five weeks we're going to be sharing on an entire a collection of talks talking about finances and how to be good stewards of what God has entrusted to us. And I'm going to be talking more about that idea of how, where we plant and how that helps uh, get, get not for a return. Well, I'm not planning for a return, but I am expecting one. I do have faith and I am expecting one. So then what do I do with my money? This is the main thing you need to understand. Be a good steward of what you have. I mean, there's a lot of main things that we need to understand, but this is a good one. <laughs> Be a good steward of what you have. Money is seed, and you can choose to either sow in the soil of confusion, Babylon, mammon, or sow in the soil of the kingdom. Because I can follow that spirit. I'm going to continue to feel like I never have enough. Why can't I have enough? I'm, I'm working hard enough. I'm getting more money, but my spending habits are going up, so I'm still living. I just never have enough. So for me, I've learned that whatever I have is the Lord's. It's not mine. I remember this time someone gave me a nice pair of work shoes. They were keen work boots, a $130 pair. Someone just gave them to me. I was like, wow. And I was, at first I was like, thank you, Lord, for this fantastic pair of shoes. Now, I didn't need the shoes. Like, I was just excited that when these shoes wear out, I can wear these other ones. And the moment I said, thank you, Lord, God said, those aren't yours. They're not your shoes. And to be able to know, like, hey, everything I have is not mine, but I have been entrusted with. God has given me to steward my money, everything. Everything I have is not my own. So God says, those aren't yours. I want you to give them to someone at church. So I brought them to church that week. And I was like, okay, God, who do you want to give them to? And there was a guy by the name of Matt Snuggerud. He worked construction. And I went up to him. I said, Matt, these are some shoes I just got. What size are you? He goes, I'm a size 12. I'm like, guess what? They're a size 12 and a half. He just wears some thicker socks. <laughs> and I gave them to him. And he was so blessed. And I was so blessed as well. I didn't really think of that until about five years later. When one of my great friends bought me a pair of shoes. Not even just a pair, but like five different pairs of shoes. And it started, Austin, who was on stage, and, and Darren as well. Darren's a, uh, they're both the GV boys. They're over Glory Vigils, a company in this church. They gave me a pair of Adidas white, Adidas shoes that I wore for Easter. And then I just started getting more and more shoes. Like people were giving me shoes. 
And I got reminded by the Holy Spirit, you remember when you were a steward and you were obedient to the Holy Spirit to say, give those shoes away? You gave away one pair and you got five coming back to you. I'm like, God, thank you. And here's the thing, like, if I would have given with the plan to get, I think it actually still would have worked, which is a scary concept because then my heart isn't fully devoted to the Lord. My heart isn't fully surrendered. And my things, it's, it's more of, I want to encourage you, if God asks for it, give it to him. It's not that he's trying to get something from you. It's that he's trying to get something to you. And whether that's to you, no more trust in mammon, no more trust in finances, but a trust in the Lord, then let it be so. And I want to encourage you in your life, you have something similar, to be able to give that can make an eternal impact in someone else's life. You may think that you have too little to be able to use this unrighteous mammon, to be concerned with what I'm talking about it. I can tell you that if that's your thought, you'll never have enough. Ecclesiastes 5.10, I don't have it for you on the screen, I just pulled it up before we walked up. It says, whoever loves money never has enough. That love of money, that idea of confusion, mammon, sown in confusion. No wonder you're confused that you never have enough. When we go to Haggai chapter 1 verse 5, it says, give over, give careful thought to your lords and, and consider your ways. You're working, but you never have enough money. You're eating, but you never have enough food. You're drinking, but you never have enough filth. You add this money to your wallet, but it has holes in it. And it says that's because you're not putting the Lord first because you're putting your trust in mammon. That's in the book of Haggai. Not a lot of people read that book, but I encourage you, read it. Haggai chapter 1, read through that. It talks about your finances. He says, put it first to my house and watch how all these things won't be depleted from you. Because Proverbs 3, 9, we said this earlier, honor the Lord with your wealth. And get this, you will have more than you will ever need. That's the idea. That's a kingdom principle. See, and all of us are on a journey as, what does this look like? Because first, Lord, like, saves us, our, our salvation, and then we're transformed by the renewing of your mind. But I love what Martin Luther said. And he said, there's three conversions that are necessary for every believer. There's a conversion of the heart, the conversion of the mind, and this is like 1500s language right here, the conversion of the purse. There's a revelation that I have, and it's usually the last one. But I pray, and I know that this church is not going to be the case, that God, you have saved my life. All that I have is yours. I am a good steward of what you have been given to me. The conversion of the purse. Does God have access to what you have? Now, I don't want to lose my reward, so I'm not going to share some of the things God has asked me to give away. But I know it's the kingdom principle. When the Holy Spirit asks, your first response is yes. Now, that doesn't mean you can come up to me after service and say, Pastor Eli, I like your shoes. Can I have your shoes? Because the Holy Spirit will tell me, yeah, give them. And there's been instances in my life that I haven't seen a return on. But you know what? I have faith and I expect a return. Whether in this life or the next. Whether it's I was making a difference in that young man's life because I did something for them that he wasn't expecting. I overwhelmed with generosity. I don't know, but I am expecting some kind of return because I know who my God is. I'm going to have faith in that return. And I want to encourage you as well, as the Holy Spirit leads, when God says, do this, you say, yes, Lord. Because remember, it's not that he's trying to get something from you. 
that he's trying to get something to you. Would you stand to your feet? Luke 16.10 says, we have that up there, Luke 16.10. It says, he was faithful in very little, Jesus says, is also faithful in much. And he was dishonest in very little thing. Is also in dishonest in much. What is little to you is actually great to God. Because you have been entrusted to steward it. Let's keep going, verse 12. And if you have not been faithful in the use of that earthly wealth which belongs to another, whether it belongs to God, he's talking about the two, belongs to God or, or man, unrighteous and righteous wealth, which you are a trustee, remember that word, steward, who will give you that which is your own? Jesus is talking about heavenly return. You can expect a heavenly return on your investment. And so this is who we are. We're going to fight the spirit of mammon in this church because we are going to live with open hands. God, it's mine. I'm not going to hold on to it. I'm actually living with open my hands because if you've given it to me and you're asking it from me, certainly you can give it to me again. Ask anyone who's made a lot of money and has lost a lot of money. They have two different approaches. Either they'll say, I'm never going to be able to get that money again, or I got it before. I can get it again. And if God gave it to me before and he's asking for it from me, he can certainly give it to me again. I am going to be counted faithful with what God has entrusted me with. So this is who we are. We live with open hands. It says, everything we have is not our own, but given to us by God. We live with open hands, trusting God to abundantly provide. With the heart of generosity, we invest in the kingdom and expect heavenly return. That's who we are at this church. We will continually fight that spirit it has no place in this house. And if you feel you're bound by it, lift your hands and receive this prayer right now. God, I pray for our church that there would be freedom in this place in the mighty name of Jesus, that no more hold of the spirit of mammon would have control over your church. God, that we do not put our trust in earthly possessions. God, we put our trust in you as you care for the sparrow you care for the flower on the field, certainly you will care for us. So we don't got to worry about what we will eat, what we will wear, where we will live. Lord, we know that you know that we need those things. God, so we put our trust in you, not in earthly wealth, not in possessions that this world that are so fickle and they're, they're in our hands one day and it's like trying to grab on the oil and it goes right through our hands. No, God, we put our trust in you. So in the mighty name of Jesus, we break off any type of spiritual control over this church where people are afraid and they're like, oh, what about the economy? What about, the, what about this? What about the housing? What about my job? What I, no, I put my trust in you, God. Whether I'm making six figures, whether I'm making seven figures, whether I'm making $20,000 a year or $10,000 a year, God, my trust is in you. God, our trust is in you. God, we submit the finances over to this church as this church has faithfully sowed into this city and church plants around this 
around this nation, around this world, God, in and throughout the Middle East, church plants in South America, church plants in Africa, God, we do expect a heavenly return of eternal harvest, but also here in Omaha, that there would be more churches here. God, we also expect a return as we have given faithfully to churches that have bought buildings, and we're seeing churches moving to buildings left and right. God, let that be so as this church has stewarded what you have given us well. God, we come before you and say, judge accordingly, God. We are stewarding this well. God, so would you find us faithful, whether this side or the next side. God, we're going to continue to be faithful with what you've given us. And every single person in this church, God, we believe that we are going to expect a heavenly return. Right now, if you receive that church, would you say these words after me? Say, Lord, let it be so. Yes and amen. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If this message encouraged you, help us get the word out. Consider sharing it with a friend, rating, or subscribing. If you want to know more about our church, check out our website at mycitychurch.cc or our Instagram at mycitycentral. We look forward to sharing another encouraging word with you next week. God bless.